This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Kill Switch Engage will release their new album, Atonement, via Metal Blade Records, boasting a guest appearance from former Kill Switch Engage singer and current Light the Torch vocalist Howard Jones. Atonement sparks a pyre of metallic mastery. Kill Switch Engage have once again lengthened their legacy while blazing another new path. Purchase your copy of Atonement now at metalblade.com slash killswitchengage. Once again, metalblade.com slash killswitchengage. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody out there? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... What's up, you sassy son of a bee? It's Brandon Hahn. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And Jocelyn Sharp's out there doing comedy right now, guys. But make sure to follow her at Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This week, guys, big interview for us. Uh, we got Christina and Andre from Lacuna Coil on the show. I ch- I, uh, I get to talk to both of them. Wow, I like how it's you t- hard. I like how you try to combine chatted and talked into the same See, one that's magical edit, that's, word. That's edited out, so it doesn't matter. Oh man, they're gonna miss out on that. They're magic. gonna miss out on that magic for sure. So, anyways, this week, guys, we got some fan mail. Unleash the fan mail. <laughs> I love it. Mm. I love hitting. That Do you sound. like that sounder? I love that sounder. I, you know why? Because I love realizing that we're getting mail. Mm. Yeah, I, I do too. This is an older one as well. As we mentioned with the music episodes, we're a little backlogged on that. Thank God no new uh, emails about music episodes has been coming in. But this is one that I wanted to tackle a little while ago, so I'm going to read it to you guys. It says, hey, Metal Sucks Podcast crew. I've been listening to you guys for a while now since Spencer from Under Oath. Uh, and notice how, I'm assuming the interview that we did with Spencer from Under Oath, that was a while back. It I feel like that was like two years minute, ago. Yeah. yeah. And notice how you always bring up the 90s like some great time in music. I was born in 1997. Every non-metal release album from the 90s that people promote as metal, I think is super mediocre and doesn't live up to its hype. Nirvana Nevermind, Pearl Jam 10, Corn Follow the Leader, and Don't Get Me Started on Tool, most overrated band in history. Now, I'm just going to stop right here. I'm going to keep going with this email, but... Nirvana Nevermind's a fantastic record. Yeah, this person's Pearl brain. Jam 10 is like a perfect record yeah. in, in my mind. Cornfall the Leader, I, I get it. I think that is dated. It probably doesn't sound too well, you know. Um, and then Tool, look, love it or hate a band, we love them. But anyways, let's just keep going forward on the email. I want to fight this person. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> no, no. We're doing a whole show of songs for him, so let's not fight. Uh, these facts... The facts these albums overlook at the gates, fucking death metal in the 90s, the black metal movement to mainstream music fans is fucking criminal. I listened to 90s mix on Apple Music and the shit is so dated. Uh, The reason why I'm bringing this up to you guys specifically is because the episode you did with He Is Legend, you promoted Blind Melon Soup and that album blew me away. Everything I get recommended by is garbage, so I'm curious on what albums do you think can compare to Slaughter Slaughter of the Soul or Vulgar Display of Power and not sound goofy as shit. Uh, note, I hate hair metal and it's sheer embarrassment, so please, no Skid Row shit. Oh, Slave to the Grind's fucking 
Great. I'm sorry. Monkey Business is an excellent song. Get back. Okay, so uh, no Skid Row shit got you. If you want an impossible challenge, give me your thought on a non-dated so-called metal album that people consider hair metal. Eh, We'll we'll talk about that later. I'm not sure if I can do that. We are not fans. Yeah, Pete hates hair metal. Dude, I I think the whole reason that I enjoy 90s music is because it was a backlash to that shit, right? So um, keep with the great work. I honestly used to listen based on the interviewee, but have been listening no matter what. So I guess you guys are doing something right. Uh, Travis. Uh, Travis, okay. So the way I took that, um, early. let's just go with 90s music because it's a decade. Early 90s music, I think, was fantastic. And then after about 95 or 97 or 95 or 96, like the rest of the way, I'm not a fan of the majority of the music that came out in the late 90s. I thought it was all pretty bad. Like when the new metal music came yeah, out. See, that was the thing. It was more about trying to make it very bass yeah. heavy. Yeah, there was something. Well, I mean, I just think it was more about making it pretty simple i think that as i as i've said is modern rock radio since the early 90s which i've said on the show many times has been mediocre to the mainstream and it's just gone more and more mediocre since like 98 let's just say let's just say from the godsmack era of 98 and stained on it's been more and more mediocre and less and less challenging i feel early 90s metal music which isn't metal really i guess we can call it rock now was challenging, wasn't safe, was uh, not based on hits. And, and these are the records I'm going to introduce because I think the records that I, I bring up to them uh, that we talked about, me and Brandon, uh, they, they, they didn't really play it safe and they didn't really go for a single. They, they went for an original voice and kind of the consumer was more interested in that. that. At that time frame, I know how crazy it sounds, but if you were called a sellout, that was like a sledgehammer to your, your head. Now it doesn't even matter. So th- there's a lot of difference. I think it's a, a music industry thing. Do you agree? I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. I just think that when it comes to radio, it's what's the quickest thing that we can package and put out there? Well, that's what I'm saying. Songs yeah. are four minutes long. You know, there, there's a there's a package. There's chorus, chorus, verse, whatever. It's all been the basic thing for rock music for a while now. But if I may go back to what I said, the early 90s, it wasn't like that. Tool didn't put out little four-minute ditties. You know, other bands sounded completely different than other bands that's the whole alternative thing was so and i did like the fact that he did say that um there are bands that that we take as credit as metal bands but they're not really metal bands and i do see that i think it's a tough sell to say some of the bands that i grew up saying are metal bands are really metal bands when they're probably alternative type of bands you know my thing is is it's like how this person said they were born when 97 okay i mean but that's okay i I think it's when we go back and listen to 80s music why do i think hair metal so horrible i was not alive and really mental during i just see the visuals and i hear the songs and i'm like explain motley Crue to me it makes no sense to me see when i was a kid that's what i was like when i was a kid Mm -hmm. a little kid i was I was a latchkey kid, so I had MTV that was raising me, and Motley Crue was on MTV all the time, and it was better than fucking culture club you know what i mean it's like when, i think that's the when those, are, when, those are, <laughs> when those are your options you know but but i understand what he's saying i understand what he's saying but at the same time though this is somebody that wasn't around when pantera first by the time this guy got vulgar display of power he probably had all these other bands that were inspired by that album 
prepare him for this record. And I'm sure he was already blown away by it. But what I'm saying is, is when you and I heard it in the 90s, we ne- there was nothing like that. We can say that if he was born in 97, probably let's give him till 2008 when he was 11 or 12, that music was really going to be See, an important part. I'm going to say that's a fair age, right? It, so but, but you're right, I, looking back. Yeah, what I'm saying, though, is he wasn't around to experience this hitting the scene for the very first time. So... I don't know. Like when I sit there and listen to dated things, I, I'm always stuck. When I hear metal bands, I always go, "Oh, well, this band was clearly inspired by this band." And that's and I thing. always go back to the band that inspired the other band is is what I'm how hanging on. To. That's another thing that I did want to bring up. I do feel there's a lot of original bands from that time period. Like he can say whatever he wants about Tool, and like I said, as the mediocrity was more acceptable in all forms of entertainment, I feel. God, it's another old man kind of rant here, but I feel that the uh, originality has been lost. So the first, pretty much what he's asking us is give us some 90s albums that are amazing and that he can't fuck with. He didn't like Pearl Jam 10. He didn't like Nirvana Nevermind. So I'm going to just jump off the bat with uh, the first record. Maybe he'll like a warm cup of urine. Mm. I'm sorry. I got angry. Ah, Some people like that. (laughs) I don't know if it was angry. It is the internet. It was a bad joke. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Bad joke. You're in jokes. Um, so the first song I wanted to play and the first album that I think he does need to check out from the 90s is 94. I don't know. Another record that can even try to sound like this and what went up and down. But uh, that is going to be Soundgarden Super Unknown. And here's the track we're going to play. This is the opening track to the record, Let Me Drown.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, and we're back. The song you just heard, guys, is the single, if we may, from uh, Meantime by Helmet, another band that I think uh, really, I don't even know what you were supposed to call them. That's the first time I ever heard the phrase alternative metal. But they were a band, if you got Meantime, there's no singles on that record. They're just going to put out this crushingly heavy album. That song was the single, and I guess it's a little catchy on some level, but that's something that I think did happen in the early 90s, is that there were bands that were like, no, the record just has to make it sound like us, and it wasn't going to be based on a single. So that's the second album you got to check out, was Helmet's Meantime, and the next album we did talk about earlier, that's Alice in Chains' Dirt. I take all these bands as metal bands. See, I I consider them all metal bands. I'm I'm (laughs) struggling to call them metal. I've never called them metal. I I know people don't see them that way, but to me, like I said, alternative metal what would you call that you wouldn't say helmet i just called it alternative i never called it mm. metal there's alternative know? rock now I, which now, is the spin doctors now and there's alternative metal <laughs> so which is this. helmet helmet is more metal than any of the bands that we've already mentioned more, more metal than Alice soundgarden and, and alice in chains mm, okay. i think helmet helmet's a lot more crushing they want that they want that they're a band that's going to get the mosh pit going alice in chains i've never really thought was a mosh pit band okay. neither was soundgarden Mm. Okay. I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I totally feel that they're metal bands, just a different era. So the, the album, if you haven't checked it out, man, you checked out Nirvana, you checked out Pearl Jam, didn't like them. The other two major grunge acts were Soundgarden and Alice in Change, and I think they aged much better than uh, Pearl Jam and Nirvana. So make sure you check this one out. This is a track out there. It's called Rain When I Die. That's a good song.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
And the song you just heard, I think, is the uh, ultimate record of my youth in the 90s. And I think uh, probably a top five record of all time. Again, questionable if it's metal, but that is, uh, you heard Caffeine from Faith No More, and that is off Angel Dust. And I think Angel Dust was a record, again, I don't think there was a single on there. Every there were songs on there like Kindergarten where every single member of the band there was a great riff from Jim Martin there was a bass solo there was this ambient keyboard part and then there was Mike Patton. every single member in every song had their moments to shine and they put it together so I don't know what that means but I know what it means it means it's not metal that's not <laughs> metal I do love Al I do love Faith No More I love Faith all the bands that you brought up I love. But well, Faith he, No More is not metal. He said bands that aren't metal, dude. Okay. From the 90s. That's what it was in his email. He goes, what are the bands that are that people promote as metal, but are non-metal releases? That's what I don't know how the was. hell you could call Faith No More metal. I just don't get a metal vibe from that band at all. They, Mike Patton is a composer. That band is a, it's a, com, it's a composition. Okay. So it's like you're not going to hear crushing guitars and screaming into a microphone when you listen to Mike Patton and, and Faith No More. It's like, but you are going to hear an excellent record that's put together very well, but you're going to have a bunch of different sounds. Mm. Yes. I don't know. Like, I think that you think these bands didn't influence what genre did they influence I definitely the most? Think, well, see, here's the thing. Metal. They, uh, yeah, I would say they've been. That's what I'm saying. They've influenced metal bands. But again, though, I didn't know we were talking about influencing bands. No. I think, you know, we're talking about just all time great albums, right? Well, I'm, I'm saying he needs to listen to these albums before he shits on the 90s. Yes. That's all I'm saying. That's what I think his email was about. So when we come back, guys, we've got four more albums that we think he's got to listen to that Brandon definitely thinks aren't metal. You guys probably all agree they're not metal, but they are extremely important to the genre that uh, you should definitely uh, listen to. So, And when we get back, guys, we will take care of that. But before then, here is our interview with Christina and Andre from Lacuna Coil. Hey everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Christina and Andre from Lacuna Coil. We are here to talk about their North American tour, which is starting September 15th out here with All That Remains and of course the new album, Black Anima, which is coming out October 11th. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing great. We have coffee, so that's a good sign. <laughs> coffee, and soon we're going to have food. So. <laughs> Excellent, guys. Let's go back a little bit and discuss the 20-year retrospective live set you guys released just a couple months back called The 119 Show. Tell me behind revisiting some of those songs and the production behind that performance. Yeah, it's been a, a, a really long <laughs> journey yeah. to, to reach that, that one day. In January, because uh, we started almost six months earlier, uh, because there, there were not only the show, uh, the retrospective show, but also the DVD was going to be filmed, and uh, then we got for the very first time a performance of us with a, a circus of performers called Incandescence from uh, the UK. So we had to coordinate all the performances to choose where in, in which songs we would like to have the visuals and the performances, the fire. Uh, the lights, the setup of the stage. So it's been a really, really big job. Also, the, all the graphics for the posters, for the uh, all the um, graphics for the DVDs. So it's been a lot of work, a very stressful process that in the end resulted in a almost 90% successful show, which was amazing. And when we finished, we were super relieved because there's been a lot of pressure, obviously. It's been a great result and a really fun experience, but also very, very hard and, and full of work, you know, and also 
a lot of the, the choice of the song. When we started choosing from the back catalog, we, we had like 80 or 90 songs, and obviously we couldn't play 80 songs, so we had to go down to 25, and, and so it was already a hard struggle to, to, to reach that level of songs. And then Marco, our bass player, had to rearrange some of the very old tracks because they were uh, recorded in analog back then on a tape, so that we didn't have the files for the keyboards and uh, other arrangements, so we had to go back and listen carefully and, and, and try to find a modern way to, to reproduce the same sounds and the same stuff. So it's been a very, very complex process that yeah. turned, in, turned out as great as we thought, and, and it was even more, actually, and, and it was a unique experience, for sure. It was definitely very stressful, also because we had the performers. We rehearsed a little bit, especially Andre and I went to Bristol because the um, circus company from Bristol to rehearse with some parts of the show, like the fire or when they lift me up with this parachute skirt. But that hurt so much. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, we literally performed for the very first time the complete show, the afternoon of the show itself. So we ended up doing two performances the same day because, of course, we had to make sure that everything was working, that everyone was keeping the positions on stage. And it was the first time for us to have some strangers on, on, on stage because, of course, you know, after so many years, we are aware of our own personal space on, on stage and we know how to interact, but it was something completely new for us to have other people that we didn't know very well on stage with us. Now, being as a viewer, it looked like nothing went wrong, but as the performers, you probably had a scary moment or two. What went wrong <laughs> during the production of the show uh, that you can tell us? Uh, well, I remember that at the very beginning, uh, there was supposed to the curtain was supposed to stay down, and uh, you could see two uh, girls dressed as fawn, and you, you were supposed to only see the shadow, but um, one of the guys pulled up the curtain too early. But, I mean, it wasn't too bad because, of course, they were looking fantastic in their costumes, so it was already a surprise. But this is something that we didn't plan in the beginning. And for me, personally, it was very tricky to sing, to sing up there because it was the first time for me with the, um, how, how do you call it, the, the microphone that you put on, on your ear, and, and you have your hands free. I can't remember headpiece. It was the first time that I was singing with a hairpiece. So it felt it had to, had to, but um, it was really awkward for me to sing from up there and not feeling comfortable at all because this kind of corset that kept me up there was super, super tight and it was kind of hurting. <laughs> so everybody was just like, was it hard to sing up there? I was like, no, it wasn't hard to sing up there, but it was hard to have something really, really tight on my crotch. <laughs> Can I say this? <laughs> but that, that was tricky. And then what else? Uh, oh, there were the some uh, like sparkles and fires that were very close to our drummer, and he was a bit <laughs> afraid because all the sparkles were going towards him. And uh, but but overall, everything went really well, I think. And um, the main parts of the shows went. Yeah, well, went to as, as I say, ninety percent of what we planned worked, and it was pretty amazing. We had a very good team of people, of professionals working with us. And we hired some extra people, like for stage managing and stuff, like coordinate all the videos and and audios, recording and, and all the performances, entrances on stage and the right timing. Uh, so we we had to study a lot, but in the end, it was a fantastic experience for sure. And it definitely was. If people haven't seen that, make sure you check it out. One of the songs that you sang, Christina, when you were in the air, was "Wide Awake." And it it gives you the goosebumps. You hit it so right on key. And then um, I didn't even 
put that into my perspective that you were being held up like that. You just kind of, when you're watching it as a viewer. (laughs) You know what? It it, it was uncomfortable, but it felt great. It is such a weird feeling, you know, to see, to look at the crowd from a different perspective. Uh, I was like, I I was feeling that I I was absolutely in control of everything because I was looking at all the faces and they were completely mesmerized because, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool effect to see such a huge, huge, huge skirt with projected lights on it and someone singing from high above. It was something that I never did before, but I really liked that moment. I had like three, three outfits, one above each other, because we had so many change costumes, so to make it faster, that was another uncomfortable thing. So everybody, if you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. I, I consider live records like greatest hits records when they're done right, and you guys nail it. And that is like a, a, a great recap of that 20 years that you've given us before. So make sure everybody checks it out. But let's move on to the new album, Black Anima. It's coming out October 11th. And after celebrating a milestone like 20 years together of the band, did doing those shows and all the songs you revisited, did it in any way influence the new material? Well, I think that show mostly will influence probably the visual of our next tours that we're going to do. So we will try. Obviously, it's not easy to top that because that was a, a bigger budget also due to the recording of the DVD. So we made it work to playing around with the budget, obviously. So it's not so easy to reproduce exactly that kind of level of shows. But for sure, we'll incorporate more of the theatrical elements as possible on the next upcoming tours for the new record. Uh, musically, I think uh, we used basically a Delirium, the previous record, as a starting point in the sense that with Delirium we kind of went a bit more free on the songwriting. We didn't worry too much about what was uh, people expecting from a Lacuna Coil record. You know, we've been doing records for a while now, so we decided to just go with the flow of the music. You know, if something heavy was coming, just follow it and and pursue it and do double bass and do grow vocals. Don't don't be afraid of screaming or doing something else or speaking or, you know, everything had to fit the form, the, 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 the idea of the record, you know. So that we've learned from, from the lyrics that we can get away with that and that actually people appreciate it a lot and, and really uh, feel the honesty of that kind of approach. So with the new record, we have felt even more free to, to experiment on, on that side, you know, pushing things. Now, there is always a hopeful spirit to your records behind the emotions. Does Black Anima have that, or is it conceptually a darker record to you guys? Uh, I think that there is always a little bit of hope. I mean, we are, we are positive people, but we are well aware that life is not perfect. We just learn to, to accept the darkest part of life and accept the fact that, uh, you know, life, it's not always nice, and there are a lot of things that might fuck you up for for a period in your life, but there is always a way to stand up again and and look forward to 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 good things. So I would say, yeah, that that sparkle of uh, sparkle of light is still present, but uh, of course, the overall uh, yeah, vibe is kind of dark just because we we like it as you might like a horror movie, you know that's the vibe that we wanted for this record you know an intense uh, vibe that would make you think lyrically one of the most um, hopeful and positive tracks that i found when i and i got to listen to the record was apocalypse can you tell me a little bit about that song 
<laughs> which is kind of funny because, I mean, we took the inspiration thinking about two people uh, talking about uh, their life in the last day on Earth. Uh, we, we thought about this apocalypse coming, uh, so an end of the world really close, and two persons that are just like having a conversation and thinking back about their life uh, knowing that the end is going to come, but they, you know, they're just like okay with it because they know they did everything they should in their own life. So they don't believe anymore. They know that it's going to be this way. Yeah, there's also maybe a, a double approach on the lyrics. Like one, one person is more trying to find uh, consolation or help somewhere else, while the other people is more realistic about what's going on and it's more looking for a solution right here, right now, instead of uh, creating some weird, you know, beliefs or something like that to try to escape reality. The acceptance of the limit of time, if we may. That's In a lot of ways, that could be positive or negative. I feel that, that the album does have a lot of those uh, double approaches uh, regarding the listener. Um, do you guys like to keep it that way uh, with most lyrics that you do, where even if a guy, if someone comes in listening maybe in a solemn or sad mood, they get one meaning, and if they come in with a positive mood, they get another meaning? I like it when, when listeners can apply whatever they, they want, because, of course, we, we personally know as a band why we wrote this, why we wrote certain lyrics, but uh, it's sometimes you know, it's kind of it's difficult for us to give a real explanation just because it's coming from, from inside, it's coming from our idea, but... I think it's nicer if they can give their own interpretation and live the song as they feel. Now, I love the statement that you guys put out describing the record. I think, Christina, you may have put it out, but um, I'm going to read just the front part of it. Um, It has a very philosophical message behind it. It's stated that um, Black Anima is all of us. It's you and it's me. It's everything we hide and fiercely expose to a world that's halfway asleep. It is the fogged mirror we are peering into searching for the truth. The concept yeah. of truth, um, it seems very simple, but in essence, it becomes very complicated. What, what I meant with that mirror is, is that a mirror is, is supposed to reflect who you are, but it's how you look at the mirror that really reflects the image you have in your mind. So sometimes what you see, uh, what you really see, is not, what, it is not the reality. That's why I used the image of the mirror, because something that should totally reflect who you really are sometimes to show something different in your eyes. And there's a compromise, I guess, to the truth. Um, do you feel that's fair to say for each, each individual? I think it is because it depends how you look at life. It depends on your life experiences. I mean, if you're going through something hard, like a loss of, of someone you love, you can't have a positive outlook on life because, of course, everything seems negative and it looks like you'll never get out of the bad mood. But, uh, of course, if you're happy, you're going to have a completely different outlook on things. That's how, you know, human beings are. I do find it fascinating about the compromise that we have to sometimes do. Uh, to continue your statement, because I think it was so well written, it's, it's sacrifice and pain, it's justice and fear, it's fury and revenge, it's past and future. Human beings, in the magnificence of a disturbing ambiguity, the black core that balances it all, as without darkness, light would never exist. What do you think yes. is the most difficult compromise about our fears that we have as humans to accept our experience? 
just to, to me personally to mm. accept that sometimes we can be bad people. Mm. Sometimes we can hate on things or on people. Sometimes we can be envious. Sometimes we can uh, we are afraid to show uh, the bad sides of of our personality. But every human being has a darker side. But sometimes we are afraid to show it because, you know, it wouldn't be convenient. It would be wrong for society. And, of course, it's not an invitation uh, <laughs> of, you know, to, to, to be bad. It's just realizing it. It's just like we are not perfect. We can fail. We can have bad thoughts. Yeah, obviously, this is the, the main point, you know. But also, I think that um, we all... Have to, uh, we all have to to face the fact that we're not going to be here forever, you know. And so sometimes we do things, thinking that uh, we we are so important and our presence here will be forever. While it's not like that, you know. We should put everything in perspective on on uh, why we're here and enjoy why we're here, what we can, and do what we can to be to live a good life and don't waste our time in stupid bullshit or in uh, criticizing other people or judging other people while we don't have a lot of time. So we should use this time to, to make something that is good for us and is good for other people. So I appreciate other people, even if they're not all good or they're not all nice to you all the time. But still, I think it's important that we have that sense of community while we live, that what we do uh, reflects also on other people in our society. So it's important that we have that sense of we belong to something bigger, you know, that is not just us in this life because we are very limited here. But what we do can be very lasting, you know. It's like for, for the music, for example. The music we do, uh, we realize that the, the most important things about our music is the legacy that it creates with our fans, with our people, that people that listen to our music. Not, and, they, and maybe their new generation, or their son or their daughter, they will listen to the band and they will, they will get the same sensation their parents got. So that's the most important thing about the relationship between a musician and a fan or an artist and a fan, you know. Well, you, the mark you leave in them is important. It's not important how many records you sold, how many, how many t-shirts you sold. Because that's good for now, but it's, gonna, it's not going to last forever. While this legacy will last forever. Nice. Yes, absolutely. Now, as an artist, uh, it's hard to put into words sometimes, but what is the message you always want to convey to an audience when releasing new music? We don't want to send any message. I mean, our music, it's our own self-therapy. Mm. So if we write for ourselves, and it's, it's curious on how many people can connect to our music and in some cases, you know, deal with life problems uh, thanks to our music. It's, it's great because we are sending a message without even knowing. I think that as a band, we always send a message that it's important to be positive in life. Uh, it's important to deal with the stuff you're going through when it's not nice, because there is always something good coming up. And you just said, you just have to wait and see. <laughs> and I, I think every, it's always, there's so much honesty to it when you listen to it as a fan, you know? Um, and that's maybe what's always drawn me to the harder music or metal or, or that genre is because whether it's anger or whether it's it's sadness, there's always an honesty to it. It's the genuine approach. Yes, that is true. We were talking about it uh, yesterday. But like I don't see something like this in any other 
genre. Uh, there is a huge loyalty, and everybody really lives metal uh, as a as a lifestyle. It's not even a kind of music. Exactly. It's something deeper. Yes, I completely I completely feel it. Obviously, and agree with that. A hundred percent. I do want to touch base on your guys' North American tour, which is coming out um, with All That Remains. Now, you guys, after 20 years, many tours, many memories, uh, can you tell us some of the, the moments or tours that you felt catapulted you guys on a higher platform that you got to perform on? Uh, probably, I would say that one of the standout tours was uh, Art Fest uh, 2004 when we've been invited for the very first time and it was our first really really huge uh, north american tour and i think from that moment we kind of understood as a band that we were playing in a different league you know being side by side with black sabbath uh, judas priest slayer slipknot demo boy all the other bands and lamb of god hate breed all the bands that we always uh, looked in the, in the magazines, you know, back in Italy when we were kids and, and going to the metal bar, you know, we were talking about these bands and we were looking at the pictures in the magazine. And then we were right there. For example, I remember one of the early days you know, of Oxfest, we had a new, we just got endorsed by, um, uh, for the drum kit, you know, by, um, Pearl drum, Pearl drums. And then we got a new, brand new kit. And our drummer was building the kit inside the trailer in the, in the back of the parking lot on second stage. And uh, Bill Ward from uh, Black Sabbath, he, he came to check out the drum kit with him, and he had been building it and trying the, the skins, and and because he's, uh, and we found out he was actually a fan of the band, and he plays our songs in his college radio show uh, in California, and so that and something completely unexpected that blows our mind, you know, and and we we really understood we were playing with the big boys, you know, for the first time. Yeah, and then they started to play Evans Align, the radio stations, and the name started to to go around a lot. So when we came back from uh, to Europe after the tour, we realized that if you kind of uh, do something special in, in the States, everything goes back to Europe. So we came back and everybody was interested in the band and was asking us, how the tour was and got more and more interested in Lacuna Coil. So that's where we noticed the big jump, for sure. Nice, nice. I remember, I can't believe, 2004, I remember the Fest. It was 15 years ago, but yeah, <laughs> I remember that was fantastic. I did see you post a picture, Christina, with you and Peter Steele. I don't remember that oh, tour. Yeah. Was that before... Um, that was before that was like, 2003. Oscars. Yeah, that yeah. was 2003. If I don't remember, yeah, and if that, I remember correctly, with it. Yes, and that tour will always be our most uh, memorable tour, like the most fun we ever had on a tour. Will be always be Typhoon Agony for sure. You know, it doesn't matter if we did bigger tours or yeah. we still did tours where we had a lot of fun. But that one will always be, uh, will always hold a special place in our heart. Because yeah, we've been strongly, strongly influenced by Typhoon Negative and. Sometimes you're afraid to meet your idols because you are afraid that they're going to be assholes and they're going to ruin the image you have of them in your mind. But they were amazing. They were incredible. We're still in touch, you know, with the the, the remaining members. And we miss Peter very, very much. We miss their music and their family. Did Peter teach you guys anything about touring or uh, anything that you guys can share with us on the show? Well, I remember that the very first show we were hiding in our dressing rooms because, of course, we were intimidated. We said, oh, my God, we're on tour with Type 1 Negative. We couldn't believe it. 
and he showed up in our dressing room, you know, to to introduce himself and say hi. And for us, that that was like, oh wow, this is so so incredible. I mean, he's so kind and such a gentle soul. As, as a, a male member of the band, I would say we learn a little bit about groupies, <laughs> <laughs> especially <laughs> not so much for us, but we never seen so many girls on a, a backstage that tour. Wow. No. Well, I mean, the the legacy of Peter Steele's. Uh beauty is uh is is going to live on forever if you look on like facebook and stuff like that people in groups just still swoon over that guy so it's uh i t- i completely yeah. understand that for sure i think a lot of people didn't get to to know him personally mm-hmm. and so he had this image of the you know beautiful giant very rough guy you know but he had he had was so intelligent and sarcastic and and very sensitive as well so he he was really more than than what you would see from the pictures or the videos or the public figure. You know? And it's special. It's special that you guys can share it and talk about him at this point, because, like I said, his legacy I think is so strong for the whole uh, the metal scene at this point. Now, I do want to get back to the record. My favorite song on the record uh, right now is Layers of Time. It's very reflective of the past that haunts us. What are the positives of being haunted by experiences in the past? Uh, it's not like being haunted. It's like realizing that you know whatever whatever you you went through, it's what brought you here. So it's more an acceptance of what what happened. It's not, it's not really being haunted by it. And we thought about you know life as in layers. Uh, experiences are layers that are going one above each other, and in the end, they will form this huge uh, book. <laughs> that is life, nice. but it's not really being haunted. I mean, it's something that is part of you, and you just have to accept. Yes, absolutely. And then uh, the last question, guys, I just wanted to ask. Now, when there's a lot of chaos in life, and when we're learning things like that as we're going through making new records or touring and stuff like that, what's the last moment that you guys can remember? You completely felt a sense of peace. Because I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost afraid to say it, but I think that this will help a lot of people out there dealing with it. Um, I, went to, I went through uh, the loss of both my parents in nine months uh, mm. from each other. And that was kind of uh, unexpected for, for my father, and it was expected for, for, for my mom because she was very sick. And when they were both gone, I, I was in a, in a sort of a bubble. I, I felt really weird, and for a second I felt, of course, I felt extremely, extremely sad and lost, but at the same time I felt like a, a sort of a peaceful feeling knowing that they were in a better place because they were both suffering. So on a personal level, I've been able to get rid of this selfish feeling of, want, of wanting people you love on earth even when their quality of life is not the same anymore. Wow. And I, it, it's hard to say and it's weird to say, but I've, I talked with a lot of people who dealt with this and they told me the same thing and they were almost afraid to say it because a lot of people are afraid to talk about death and are afraid to, to say that sometimes it's better to let the loved one go when, they're, when they want to. 
Well, I mean, thank you so much for sharing. That's very, very powerful. And um, that's very true for a lot of people. So I think that's that's amazing to say that out there on, on the world. So I want to Yeah, think- I, I don't want it to come out as a bad thing, but it's, it's a strange feeling. I mean, you only feel it when you experience it. Yes, and it's honest. That's the most important thing to me is like just be honest with your feelings because other people will relate if you let them know. Um, and that's absolutely excellent, man. So I, I do want to t- one more time before I let you guys go. I want everybody to know Black Anima is coming out October 11th, and they Lacuna Coil will be touring North America with all that remains September 15th, all the way to October 19th. Christina, Andre, I want to thank you guys so much, man. I'm a big fan for so many years. So I want to thank you so much for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you. Thanks thank you a lot for giving us this thank opportunity. You See you soon.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you guys heard is off their latest record, Black Anima, which is coming out October 11th, guys. Make sure you pre-order it. That song is called Layers of Time. And the second song you heard is off their last live DVD that came out last year. I think it was fantastic. It's called The 119 Show Live in London, guys. That is the House of Shame. Make sure you guys do check them out here in North America. They are touring with All That Remains, and that starts September 15th. Make sure you check those dates. And with that, let's get back to our little list here. The next song that we got to play, again, uh, just a really influential thing. I think this one uh, ages really well, but I think one of the most mimic bands in modern times is Caius. And uh, the song that we're going to play for you is off Blues for the Red Sun, a record you definitely got to check out. This is 50 Million Year Trip, Downside Up.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
And the song you just heard, well, that's Primus, who was uh, going to be going out with Slayer in no time. Not a metal band. But again, I feel like we, we co-op them into our, our genre in our group. That is uh, those damn blue-collared tweakers off of Sailing the Seas of Cheese, which came out back in 91. Um, again, there's something about Primus that I think the originality sparked uh, a lot for metal kids. I think most metalheads like Primus. I think... With what they brought to the table, making the bass the primary instrument. I mean, mm-hmm. how often do you see that in music? Well, I mean, how often does it work? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you got to be that good. And, and look, I mean, what they brought to the table is you don't have to make sense to make good music. Mm. I like that. Who listened to a Primus record? Who's ever been down on their luck? And, uh, you know, th- th- life is looking pretty bleak. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jerry was a race car driver, comes on, and then they say, oh, you know what? I don't want to kill myself. I, rem- I remember I am the anti-pop. I'll run against the grain until the day I drop. Yeah, I remember that lyric being pretty motivating for me back in 99. <laughs> I am the anti-pop. <laughs> I'm going to get up and achieve. <laughs> and then I saw him on Family Values that year. I think they, they were like, it was like Limp Biscuit. They were, yeah, it was an interesting tour. Anyways, uh, moving on just to a couple more, guys. The next one on our list, probably one of my favorite records of all time. Definitely my favorite band. I I'm such a huge fan of Crowbar, COC, I Hate God, Pantera. So when Down got together, I didn't know what to expect. But um, I've had this argument where most people don't feel this is a metal band. They're a southern rock type band. And um, if you haven't heard their debut record, NOLA, I think that's a disservice. And that came out in 95. This is a track uh, that many RTO listeners will be familiar with. This is Stone the Crow.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
And the last song you heard, well, that is my attempt at uh, something that you might think is hair metal that is undated and amazing. And that is uh, Another Day by Armored Saint off the record Symbol of Salvation, one of my top metal records of all time. And I do believe you can agree that Armored Saint is metal. Well, John Bush is metal. I think he's the, <laughs> I love John Bush. I've said this many times. He's my favorite vocalist in metal, period. Love him. Well, with that, Travis, we hope you do check out at least half the records we brought up. I'm telling you right now, you're going to fall in love with them, 90s music. And if you can send us our way what you feel. Yeah, Travis, let us know what records we could shit on. Yeah, w- w- let us know from your era that kind of crashed into the mainstream. Your and can- millennial bullshit. The- these records were mainstream records. The majority platinum, all gold selling records, I believe, except for maybe Armored Saint, but... Or uh, Caius, I don't know about that one. I'll have to look into that. But the point is, these are popular records, you know? So let us know. And I mean, I'll gladly check out your your time from 2008 on and, and all that. And I'm not shitting on your musical genre. I am shitting on the music industry has hurt the art. That's all. That's all we really do. And when we go back to this time frame, it wasn't about, um, it was, a the art was 50% of what mattered. Well, look, anytime you know? art is made into something you could profit from, yeah. it gets ruined. But no, it's up to the consumer. Yeah. The consumer, the consumer would not accept something that wasn't somewhat original. But unfortunately though, dude, in certain times, enough consumers do accept it. That's the problem. We have to get these consumers to stop accepting dog shit i uh no no they have to do that i don't have to do shit i'm already past that game i don't accept dog shit no i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna lead a movement we're gonna go to house to house <laughs> and throw out all your bullshit oh man yes uh you guys take your own journey find your own path just love music and and, and treat it like it's a, an art form and i'm sure we'll be okay so with that travis thank you for the email man we hope we answered it good i hope you guys enjoyed the tunes and maybe uh f- you younger guys found something new. I'm pretty sure anybody from our generation's familiar with everything that we played on the show today, but, but that's okay. Um, so again, I want to thank everybody for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the iTunes. That means the world to us. And I want to thank everybody for supporting RTO. It's been going splendidly. This week is going to be a real tough one for us. We're doing Ann Coulter. Oh, rise which, to uh, a friend. Yeah. So uh, if you guys are into uh, getting angry and us, See, trying, to, us trying to uh, not be biased about her, it's yeah. going to be a fun episode. It's so. so- hard to like just stay straight down the middle when it comes to a, a top a topic a or a figure that yeah. is just who just makes money intentionally pissing people off you're not even sure if she if what she believes if you're not even sure if what she's saying she believes so yeah guys check that out if you're interested otherwise we will talk to you guys next week the metal sucks podcast is signing off this is the jabberjaw podcast network <laughs> <laughs>